You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Audio Podcast. We are continuing today this series that we've titled Unsung Heroes. And throughout the summer, because a lot of folks are gone on vacation during the summer, we thought, wow, it would be great to take some time to look at what I would identify as unsung heroes. How many of you know there's, there's the heroes of the faith that we talk about a lot, who I, I would say they get a lot of pulpit time uh, because of the way God used them? Who would you say are some of the heroes of the faith? As you're just kind of thinking about, okay, great people. Moses, I would say, yeah. David, I heard someone say David. Joseph. Paul, obviously Paul, Peter, Paul. And we could go on and on. I mean, it's those individuals that we talk about a lot. But then there's other individuals that I would say are unsung heroes. In other words, God did some pretty dynamic things through their lives. But they, they don't get a lot of pulpit time. We don't spend a lot of time talking about them. And most of these individuals are, most of their stories recorded for us in the Old Testament. So that's where we're going to be spending some time in this summer series. And this morning, uh, last week, Pastor Jeff talked about Benaniah and courage. Today, we want to look at an individual whose name was Elisha. Not Elijah, but Elisha, who... Uh, was actually connected to Elijah, and I'm going to tell you that story as we get into this this morning. But as we look at Elijah's life, the key characteristic, if I were, if I was going to use one word to define Elisha, I would use the word faithfulness. Elisha was faithful in his service to God. He was faithful in his service to Elijah. And it was the faithfulness in his life that opened his life for God to use him in a greater way. And so this morning we're going to talk about Elisha and faithfulness. And if you haven't figured this out, we've kind of mixed the service up a little bit today. How many of you are okay with mixing things up a bit? Like I get tired of the same old, same old. Like I can only have like pancakes for breakfast only so many days, like seven days in a row. Probably, that's enough for me. And then I want something different because I don't like the same old, same old. So this morning we're, we're kind of mixing the service up. Pastor Justin and the worship team will be coming back shortly to uh, engage us in worship again. Um, but I want to just spend a couple minutes talking with you. Actually, more than a couple. I'm sorry, I just lied. Um, I'm going to spend the next few minutes talking with you about this unsung hero, Elisha, and this issue of faithfulness. Because I think faithfulness is a big deal with God. Faithfulness in your life, in every area of your life, is a big deal. Matter this is what I'm convinced of as I've studied Elisha's life, as I've looked to, to Scripture in the broader context of this story is that God honors faithfulness. Tell your neighbor, hey, God honors faithfulness. And tell them this as well, God rewards faithfulness. Listen, faithfulness is a big deal. In our world, in our culture today, it's my belief, and you don't have to believe what I believe, but it's my belief that success is overrated and faithfulness is underrated. It's the success that everybody applauds. It's the success that gets stories written but I'm convinced it's faithfulness that God's looking for. Faithfulness in our lives. And that faithfulness may bring us to success. That faithfulness may bring us to greatness. But what God's looking for, what God honors, what God rewards is faithfulness. That we would be faithful in our lives. Elisha is an unsung hero that God did great things through because of this issue of faith. He was faithful. He was faithful in his assignment. 
And through that, God did great things through his life. As I was thinking about Elisha's story, I, I actually was reminded of one of my favorite stories of one of my unsung heroes being Dr. and Miss Clanton. And I know maybe you've heard this story before, but it's important for me that we never forget those who've been faithful who've gone before us. Those who have been consistent and steadfast and unwavering because all that we enjoy today is because of those who have been faithful who've gone before us. Would you agree with that? The faithfulness is really significant. In 1937, actually August of 1937, there was a young couple in their 20s, uh, S.K. and Emily Clanton. Uh, we've come to know them as Dr. and Miss Clanton. In their early 20s, came to Cornelius to do a tent, two-week tent revival. Um, now at this time, it's hard for us to imagine today, but Cornelius was um, like this sleepy little mill town. So this is before Lake Norman, before Interstate 77. Matter of fact, if you were going to come from Charlotte to Cornelius, it was like coming to the boondocks, like out in the middle of nowhere. And so this couple was sent to do an outreach in their community in the town of Cornelius. They were sent out by Dr. Alfred Gar and Gar Memorial Church. They did a two-week tent revival. And out of a two-week tent revival, they started a little Pentecostal church called Cornelius Tabernacle. And they faithfully pastored that church for 40 years. They pastored it when times were good and when times were bad, when times were easy and times were hard. They were faithful when there was not any money in the bank account. They were faithful to build the first building on Main Street when they didn't know where all the resources were going to come from. They were faithful in the difficult, adverse seasons. Um, you know, the building back on Main Street, how many of you were with us on Main Street? Anyone? Yeah, I see a few hands. In let me tell you about the building they built. The building they built, they built on natural springs. So you had this natural flow of water, and then there was also the rains. When the rains came, combined with the spring, the basement always flooded. I have one picture of Miss Clanton, who was a quite short lady uh, with water up to her shoulder. She's in the basement trying to get the water out of the basement. They were faithful when the basement flooded. They were faithful when people were critical and left the church. They continued to be unswavering and their commitment to what God had called them to. And get this, as a result of their faithfulness, we enjoy all that we enjoy today. The influence and the impact of Grace Covenant, not only in our community and around, our, around the world, goes back to a couple who pastored a church with unswavering commitment for 40 plus years. And that's, that's the foundation of who we are as a congregation. But God rewarded their faithfulness. So what I know today is, is, listen, we are reaping from vineyards that we didn't plant, right? You know what I'm talking about. We're, we're reaping from fields that we didn't sow. There were individuals who've been faithful. So faithfulness is significant. Again, God honors faithfulness. God rewards faithfulness. Looking there to your notes, the first statement in your notes, not every season of life is fantastic, nor is every God assignment fun, but it's, it's our faithfulness that brings honor to God and positions us for greater opportunity. That's why faithfulness is so significant. Before we get into Elisha's story, let me just give you really quick a working definition of faithfulness so that we're all kind of on the same page to be faithful means that one is loyal, constant, steadfast, or unswerving, unswerving 
in their commitment. Faithful implies unswerving adherence to a person, thing, or the oath or promise by which a tie was contracted. So let's bring this word faithful into our present day context. To be faithful in our relationship with God means that we have an an unswerving commitment. We're passionately pursuing God. We're faithful in our commitment to God. To be faithful in the marriage relationship means this, is that we are fully committed to one individual, the one individual that we made our marriage covenant with, but we are unswerving, faithful in the commitment. To be faithful in our work means what? It means we show up early at work and we don't just do enough to get by. No, we do our very best. Why? Because we're faithful, we're committed, we're dependable. That's what it means to be faithful. And as we look to Elisha this morning, we're only going to be able to look at one little piece of his story. But what we discover about Elisha, and again, if there was one word I, was going to, I, I could choose to, to define Elisha, it would be this. It would be the word faithful. So let's read the beginning of his story. First Kings, it's found in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 19. So Elijah, and Elijah was the great prophet, the great man of God, a hero of the faith. So Elijah went from there and he found Elisha, the son of Shaphat. He was plying with 12 uh, 12 yoke of oxen and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said. Then I will come and go with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his attendant, became his servant. So so what we have happening in the story, here's Elisha. He's a farmer. He's out doing what farmers do. He's plowing the field, probably the son of a farmer, maybe generations of farmers. But he's out plowing the field. And here comes this great man of God, the prophet Elijah, and takes his cloak or his coat and throws it over Elisha, symbolic of the passing of authority. So Elijah comes along and throws his coat over Elisha to say, hey, I want you to follow me and be my mentee. I, I want you to, um, I, I want to pass on to you what God's done in my life. And so Elisha says, hey, let me go say goodbye to my parents and then I'll come. And then we have like this weird interaction. Elijah says, hey, what do I have to do with you anyway? And keeps walking. Doesn't that sound a little odd? Doesn't sound like a great recruiting phrase to me. But Elisha, the scripture tells us, burns the plow. I think that's a significant statement. He burns that of his past to embrace the assignment of the present. He burns the plow, kills the oxen, has a big barbecue, invites all the friends and the family. They share this big barbecue. And then Elisha becomes um, a mentee uh, of Elijah, soon to be the, the successor of this great man of God, Elijah. But what's interesting in this story is that it didn't happen overnight. It's not like Elisha went from farmer to prophet in a day. If you study the story out, there was actually 10 years. 10 years that Elisha was a servant to Elijah. What does that mean? It means this. He carried his luggage. He cooked the meals. He did the laundry. 
Remember, an interesting passage of Scripture, if you go on over to 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 11, Elijah at this point is already in heaven, chariot of fire, and I'll talk more about that in a minute. But he's in heaven, and the, the nation of Israel is in is at war with the nation of Moab. And so the king of Israel says, hey, is there any man of God who can give us some battle strategy? Is there any man of God who can give us like God's insight on this situation? And they said, well, there's Elisha, the son of Shaphat. He was the one who poured water on Elijah's hands. Now that's a great way to be identified, don't you think? So who are you? Well, I'm just a servant that got to carry Elijah's luggage. Or I'm just a servant that got the poor water on his hands. Or I'm the servant who did his laundry. I mean, that's how Elisha was known. He was known because of his faithfulness. So 10 years, he was 10 years faithfully serving Elijah. Then before Elijah's taken up to heaven, like Elijah didn't have like this normal death process. He actually got to go to heaven in a chariot of fire. Pretty exciting. You should read the story. But before he's taken to heaven... Uh, he says, hey, Elisha, what can I do for you? And Elisha says, hey, I want, I want twice of what you got. I want a double portion of what you have. And, and, and it was granted in that Elisha then receives a double anointing um, or twice of that of the anointing, of the prophetic, prophetic anointing that Elijah had. And he goes on then to serve the nation of Israel for 40 years, serving both the, the poor and the powerful. That's what I love about Elisha. Both the poor and the power, just faithful in his assignment. But if there, again, if there's one, if there's one thing I could pick out, if there's a characteristic, a defining characteristic of his life, it was this characteristic of faithfulness. Elisha was just faithful. He was faithful in his commitment to God. He was faithful in his service to the great prophet Elijah. He was faithful being this voice of God to a nation that had had gone astray. So from Elisha's life and the example of Elisha, let me take the few minutes I have left and talk with you about the significance of faithfulness. Let's focus on faithfulness. Because again, I really believe that what God's looking for today in individuals, men and women, teenagers, college students, what he's looking for is faithfulness. In other words, can he trust you? You want greater Wealth, can he trust you with greater wealth? You want greater position, can he trust you with greater position? You want greater assignment, can he trust you? Because if you've not been faithful, here's a great question. Why would God ever trust you with more? Like if I knew you were stealing from me, like taking money from me, it's not like I would just give you more money, right? No, if I'm going to entrust my wallet to someone, I want to entrust my wallet to someone that I know is what, Ben? Faithful, right? Someone I can trust. Someone that's dependable. Faithfulness is so significant. It's that characteristic that God's looking for in our lives. So can we learn from Elisha and and his story about about faithfulness? I, I think the first principle of faithfulness is this. There's always seasons of preparation before seasons of assignment. Seasons of preparation come before seasons of time. Now, you're not going to like this, but this is the way it works. Because there's seasons of preparation before seasons of assignment, that means there's usually time delays. How many of you know we don't like time delays? Right? We want it to happen like today, right? We don't want to wait. We don't want to like prepare for five years, ten years. But yet, what we find... 
And Elisha's life is that there was this season of preparation before he got to his prophetic assignment. Ten years to be exact. Ten years of serving in obscurity. Ten years of pouring water on Elijah's hand. Ten years of being simply known as the administrative assistant to, or the servant to, Elijah. What they, were, they were years of preparation. They were not just wasted years. There were years where God was growing Elisha to prepare him for the assignment he had for him. You know, oftentimes God calls us and he says, okay, now I've got to get you ready for the assignment I have for your life. It's not uncommon. Actually, we see it happen throughout Scripture. I mean, there's the story of Joseph. If you recall, Genesis 37, God, God called Joseph to be a ruler. And then he says, hey, I've got to get you ready to be the ruler, to be like the one who will bring salvation for my people because there's this famine coming. And so God calls Joseph, and then there's like this 10, 12-year period of adversity while God's preparing him for that which he called him to. The same with Moses. God called Moses and said, Moses, you're going to be a great deliverer. And then what did he do? He took him to the backside of the desert, get this, for 40 years of preparation. Why? Because there was an assignment, but he had to prepare him. He had to grow Moses to be ready for the assignment. It was the same with David. I mean, the prophet Samuel goes and anoints David to be the next king of Israel. And then for 12 years, David's running around the wilderness trying, trying to save himself from this wild king Saul who's trying to kill him. Well, years of preparation before he embraced this. I mean, I know for myself, it's, it's the very same. 13 years of age, at 13 years of age, God clearly spoke to me and told me I was going to be a pastor. I could tell you the exact place it happened. I mean, I still see the church today. It was a little, it was a little place called Nogo, Arkansas. You can't get there from here. Nogo, Arkansas. My dad was preaching a revival. Then at the end of the service, there was an altar call. I went down to the altar and just as clear as someone speaking verbally to me, I heard God say, you're going to be a pastor. I was 13. And then there, then there was 16 years of preparation. 16 years of preparation that, that involved going to Bible college. It involved being an associate pastor for a season. It even involved going to the wilderness of West Texas before I got to come back to the promised land in North Carolina. But it was all a part of preparation for the assignment because I believe that this is my prophetic assignment. Listen, I've had numerous opportunities to leave Grace Covenant to take denominational positions, leadership positions, and I've turned them down again and again. Let me tell you why I've turned them down. Because I believe this is my assignment. I believe God's prepared me for such a time as this in this place. And that my assignment's not finished yet. But there was what there was preparation leading to something. And it's so important that you understand this because oftentimes God calls us. He says, hey, I've got a promotion for you. I've got uh, I've got an assignment for you. Now I've got to grow you to the assignment. And, and the problem is, is, is oftentimes we're not faithful. And because we're not faithful in the preparing years, we never get to the assignment. We bail before we get to the assignment because we think, wow, this, this insignificant task really doesn't matter. And I'm telling you, it does matter. Why? Because there's preparation before assignment. True for Elisha, and it's going to be true in your life, my life as well. I think that leads us right to the second principle of faithfulness. It's faithfulness in the small assignments that opens the way for greater opportunity. 
If you can think of it like this, faithfulness qualifies us for greater opportunity. Faithfulness positions us to be candidates that God can work in and through. It's kind of like it's kind of like going to the bank for a loan. Let's say you were going to buy a new home and you didn't have like cash in the bank to pay for the new home. If you didn't have cash on hand, then you're going to have to go to the bank to get a loan. And as you go to the bank to apply for the loan, you know what they're going to do? They're going to look at your track record, right? They're going to look at your track record and they want to know, have you been paying your bills? Have you been consistent in the small things? Have you been consistent in saving? Have you been consistent in managing your finances? They're going to look at your track record to make a determination on whether they can trust you with a loan. And if you've been faithful in the small things like budget and finances and paying your bills on time, if you've been faithful in these small things, then they're going to say, hey, greater opportunity. You have the privilege of getting the loan. In the same way, it's faithfulness that qualifies us. For greater opportunity. Again, the question is, why would God trust you with anything more if you're not being faithful where you're at? Why would God trust you with more when you're not being faithful in your marriage or faithful in your singleness or faithful in your present assignment? Why would God ever bring you in a promotion if you're not being faithful in what he's already called you to do? It's faithfulness in the small assignments that opens the way for for greater assignments. In Luke 16.10, Jesus said this, Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with very much. So what's God looking for? I believe God's looking for individuals today, individuals like yourself who are just being faithful. Faithful in the small areas. And the areas maybe that you would think are insignificant, yet I would tell you today they are significant. So if you want greater opportunity, it always begins with greater faithfulness. And greater faithfulness opens the way for greater opportunity. That brings us to the third principle concerning faithfulness. It's this. Your purpose is greater than your position. Your purpose is greater than your position. Today we make a big deal out of position and titles. But can I tell you this morning, and this may challenge your thinking a bit, but God's really not into positions. And God's really not into titles. Matter of fact, I would say that my position of a pastor is no more significant than someone someone else's position as a banker. Or the position of a missionary is no more significant than the position of a contractor who's building homes every day or a race car builder who's building cars. Why? Because God's really not into positions or titles. But what God is into is purpose. When we're living out our purpose, when we're faithful to our purpose, it's there that God opens greater opportunities. It's there that God gives us greater influence and, and greater impact. So God's not impressed with our position, but He is impressed with our faithfulness. God's honored when we're giving our best and being faithful where we are. That's why the Apostle Paul penned the words, directed by the Spirit, penned the words in Colossians 3.13 that says, do your work as unto the Lord. Because you're not serving uh, the employer, you're serving the Lord Jesus Christ. So, purpose, your purpose is greater than your position. Listen, no assignment is insignificant in God's eyes. What you do does not determine whether your work is sacred. It's how you do it and why you do it. 
So your purpose is, is greater than your position. So whatever your assignment is or assignments are in the season of your life, I would encourage you to be faithful. Be focused and be faithful to your purpose and let God take care of the position. See, Elisha knew his purpose. He knew his purpose was to be a servant to Elijah, to be the one who washed the hands of the great prophet. He knew his purpose was to carry out a prophetic anointing. He knew his purpose, therefore, God gave him position. God worked miraculously through his life because he knew his purpose. So, so I encourage you, don't pursue position, pursue purpose. So what's your purpose? When I think of purpose, I think purpose kind of falls in two categories. There's common purpose and there's specific purpose. Common purpose, specific purpose. This is a whole sermon into itself. But really quick, what's the common purpose? Common purpose is this. It's common to all of us. In other words, every one of us in the room today have common purpose. One would be this, to glorify and honor God with your life. I may not even know your first name today, but this is what I know about God, the purpose God has for you. And the purpose for your life is to honor God with your life. Common purpose. Common purpose is we're all called to serve one another. Common. Common purpose is we're all called to live out the love of Christ in such of a way that we're representing Jesus Christ to our world. That's a common purpose. But then there's specific purpose. So common purpose, specific purpose. And I can't tell you what God's specific purpose is for you. But if you've not spent time digging into that, praying about that, thinking about that, discovering, I would encourage you to do that. I know for me, my specific purpose for feral lemmings, my specific purpose is this. I'm called to be an under shepherd or the great shepherd who's living his life in service to people. I do that every day. It's my passion to get out of bed every day and to be faithful to that assignment. I'm not chasing position. I'm not chasing title. What am I doing? Every day I want to live out my purpose. And as I live out my purpose, God will bring position. As I live out my purpose, God will bring power. As I live out my purpose, God will bring provision. So d- listen, don't, don't chase after position. Chase after purpose. Your purpose is greater than your position. Elisha knew that. He was living out his purpose. And that brings us to the final principle of of faithfulness this morning. And I really love this one. This one for me is, is probably maybe most exciting of the four things. It's this. Ordinary faithfulness leads to extraordinary impact. Ordinary faithfulness. And again, some of the things you're doing today in your work life, Maybe in your home life, you're thinking, wow, this is so insignificant. Can I tell you that nothing is insignificant as it relates to God? And that every aspect of your life has potential to be worshipped to God. Listen, what does that do? It makes every aspect of your life sacred. So ordinary fame leads to extraordinary impact. When we're simply faithful where God's placed us and faithful to what he's called us to do, listen, the impact of our lives will be greater than we could ever imagine. I mean, that was certainly true of Elijah because of his faithfulness to God and his faithfulness to Elijah. Wow, God just exploded the impact, the influence of his life. And it all came out of his faithfulness. If you study out Elisha, you'll discover that he had influence, voice with, and there are actually three different kings, three different kings in the history of Israel. Three different kings sought him out for counsel and advice. 
Because of his faithfulness, he had the privilege of being in the presence of kings. Because of his faithfulness, he got to be the voice of God to a nation and they drifted from God, calling them back to righteousness. Because of his faithfulness, I mean, God did like some supernatural stuff through his life. And again, I would encourage you to study this out, to study out Elisha, to read this week, 2 Kings 3 through 2 Kings 9 is really Elisha's story. But God did 28 different supernatural miracles through his life as recorded in Scripture. Things like raising up someone who was dead. I don't know about you, but that's not happened for me lately. Parting the Jordan River. The replenishing of the widow's all as recorded in 2 Kings chapter 4. I mean, some supernatural dynamic stuff that happened out of his life. Why? Because he was faithful. Listen, it's ordinary faithfulness that opens the way for extraordinary Empire. What was true for Elisha is true for us as we're simply faithful. Faithful in the marriage, faithful in the work, faithful maybe in your singleness, faithful in whatever season of life you're in. When it's that that positions us for greater impact. I love the statement by Mother Teresa. It's there in your notes. She said, God's not called me to be successful, but he's called me to be faithful. Isn't that not an amazing statement? She said, God's not called me to be successful, to be great. He's just called me to be faithful. And as she was faithful serving the poor, the needy, the dying in Calcutta, India, God made her successful. As she was faithful in the ordinary mundane assignment God, that God gave her, she had extraordinary influence. I mean, here was a woman who, as she started her life, was unknown, unnamed, yet she had the opportunity to stand in the presence of, of kings, rulers, and presidents. I mean, presidents of the United States sought her out for counsel and direction. Because of her ordinary faithfulness, Mother Teresa became maybe the most influential woman that's ever walked this planet. But she's just faithful. She said, God's not called me to be successful. He's called me to be faithful. And I would say that's the same challenge to each of us here today. What God's not called us to be great. He's not called us to be successful. Though you may be great and you may, you may find success. What's God called you? He's called you every day just to be faithful. Faithful in the marriage. Faithful in the family. Faithful in your singleness if you're single. Faithful in your work. So if you give God your best for God's glory, God's going to empower you to do, to do things greater than your ability. Just like Mother Teresa He's going to bring, he's going to expand your influence and expand your impact out of your faithfulness. See, it's the faithfulness that becomes the seedbed for God to work. It was Edwin Lewis Coe who said, Your faithfulness makes you trustworthy to God. I love that statement. Your faithfulness in the small things. In the areas that you may have thought were insignificant, your faithfulness in those areas makes you trustworthy to God. In other words, God says, okay, here's a man, here's a woman that I can trust with more. Here's someone that I can bring promotion to. They've been faithful. Here's someone that I can trust with more because they've been faithful in the marriage, faithful in the work. Your faithfulness makes you trustworthy to God. How many many would agree with me this morning that our God is faithful? He's faithful. He's one we can depend on. He's one we can trust in. And He wants to bring His faithfulness 
into our lives in our faithfulness. Listen, the two are directly connected. You want to experience God's greatness in your life, I'm convinced it's connected to this, our faithfulness. Now see, it's through your faithfulness that there's this statement of God. Say, hey, there's someone who's trustworthy. There's someone that I can bring more to. Now this morning, the way we want to turn the service is we want to respond in worship. We want to give the Holy Spirit an opportunity just to speak through our hearts. And I think oftentimes that happens as we worship. What area in your life may, may God be speaking to you about, the Holy Spirit be speaking to you about, you about concerning faithfulness? Maybe an area in your life that you've been thinking, well, that really doesn't matter. Listen, today you've come to discover it does matter. And that in your faithfulness, God would want to bring His greatness. We just want to give the Holy Spirit an opportunity to speak to our hearts this morning as we lift our voices in worship. As we just simply say, God, I'm all that you say I am. I'm more than a conqueror. I'm more than an overcomer. And I want to be found faithful before you. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.